1: Hello Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle podcast. Coming to you on a Sunday, we want to talk about the USC Trojans, almost done with the regular season. I'm sitting at 9-2 after a win over Colorado in Boulder. We're going to talk to Coach Harvey Hyde about what he saw in the game and answer all of your questions uh, from the game. So a lot of questions, a lot of comments. We want to try to get to all of them. If you have any comments or questions for us, podcast at uscfootball.com that's our email address or you can call or text at 424-254-9141 that's 424-254-9141 you can follow the coach on twitter at coach harvey Hyde. you can follow me on twitter at inside troy you can find the peristyle podcast on any of the podcasting apps we have our own url on itunes itunes.com slash peristyle podcast and please subscribe please tell your friends uh, give us a five-star rating it helps grow the show and we've been uh, growing tremendously over the last year or so we appreciate that appreciate all of you listening and spending some time out of your busy lives to listen to our little show going in this is our 10th football season we've been covering the trojans and coach harvey hyde's been there every step of the way what is up coach how you doing
0: well here we go nine and two seven and one Pac 12 champion uh, in the south uh Everyone should be jumping for joy, as you should be whenever you have a 9-2 season in 7-1 and and have since a championship. But everybody seems to be saying, Coach, what do you think? Everywhere I went today or last night when I ran over to the UCLA game and watched that at the Rose Bowl, people said, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think about what's going to happen? There doesn't seem to be a real excitement as far as the season, Ryan. But uh, why don't we get into it all, and we'll try to answer all their questions. And remember, for all of you that do participate, we thank you, and remember, this is just our opinion. So let's get started.
1: Yeah, that sounds good, and you're right, Coach. That's kind of the sentiment from a lot of the questions that we've been getting in, and comments and stuff. I mean, team is 9-2. and two. If they beat UCLA, they're favored by a couple of touchdowns. 10-2 um, and two season, plus you got a Pac-12 championship game. And then, you know potential Fiesta Bowl berth, and even some outside chance of a uh, playoff, which I don't really think would even be good for USC this year, but we'll get into all that stuff later. Before we jump into it all, wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Go to sctickets.com. Give him a call at 1-800-888-7287. You want to go to that home game? One last home game. One last regular season game. Think about the whole offseason. You're jonesing for college football. You got one chance left to go to the Coliseum, so... Go to sctickets.com, and they can get you tickets for that UCLA game. Or if you want to go to something else, another sporting event, you want to go to hockey, something like that, or you want to go go see uh, Hamilton, they're playing in Los Angeles now, go see a play, something like that, you can go to sctickets.com. They can help you with that as well. Um, let's see. Let's go to – we're going to do some questions here. We'll start with Rich. He said, hey, my question is for Coach Harvey Hyde. I was at the game, and he's an alum that lives in Denver, And thought the overall effort was good. I'm concerned about the lack of discipline, however. It seems the players always commit too many, quote-unquote, mental error penalties at too many critical junctures or critical areas on the field. As a head or position coach, how do you ensure your team is disciplined? Helton's teams lack discipline. That's from Rich.
0: Well, Rich, it's a team attitude. It's not just the position coach. It's the philosophy of the program on what you'll tolerate and what you won't tolerate as far as what penalties are aggressive football penalties and what penalties are unnecessary and are, you know, unsportsmanlike or or those. There are certain penalties that you give people an opportunity to be able to improve on or improve themselves as far as holding or targeting, uh, you you say, hey, this is not allowed. We don't do that in our program, and yet uh, that's a very difficult slim line between targeting and what is and what isn't. But as far as celebrations, as far as getting in people's face, uh, those type of unnecessary penalties are ridiculous, okay? just shouldn't happen. You can't tolerate it, and uh, I think you look like a fool when you do it. You think it looks sharp, and you think you're putting someone down, but really you're the fool. And I would tell them exactly like that uh, because everybody thinks that about you. They don't think you made a great play. You've just ended the play with something that's stupid. So they forget the play, and they say, who was that, or why did he do that, rather than the great catch you just made, or whatever that people are excited about. So, you know, that's got to be explained to your players. And, again, your assistant coaches have got to follow through with what your philosophy as a head football coach, and you've got to be able to tone that down. You can't have that type of stuff. You've heard me talk about that many times, not just the penalties or the celebration or the taunting that may go on. You heard me talk about the uniforms, how you look, your socks, your helmets, the sideline procedures, what your coaches wear, how they dress, how they act. It's all part of the program on what you represent. And if you don't tolerate that type of stuff, you don't tolerate that type of stuff. And it's part of what the MO is, of the five things. You don't have a lot of rules, the five things you can do and the five things you can't do. And uh, you've got to be able to enforce them. If you have too many rules and regulations, that's all you do is enforce rules and regulations. But you have the ones that mean and make a difference in your program, and, and you make sure you take care of that. And you tell them once, and if someone can't hear, you ask them if they have a hearing problem. And if they do, you write it on a big card so they hear it or see it. And you make sure that they understand that it's not tolerated here, and we will not have you embarrass our entire program in any action on what you do.
1: We got uh, Ben who wrote in during the game. We we get a lot of people doing that, Coach. He said, I believe USC is a poorly coached team. I don't mean X's and O's wise. I mean mentally. They have all the talent in the world, yet play with no discipline. Dumb penalties and emotional ups and downs have plagued this team. No matter how this game plays out, I've been disgusted by Essie's discipline or lack thereof. I think Clay is a great guy, but he doesn't command the respect or fear a head coach should from his players. Remember, these are still 17 to 20-year-old kids. It's 30 to 14 near the end of the third quarter, and I'm getting nervous in the Central Valley. That's from Ben.
0: Well, I think we all have that same feeling, at least I do as a coach. I can never completely relax uh, during a USC Trojan game. And what scares me the most is if they get ahead, was I just say, please just continue. And all of a sudden they find a way to do something or have something happen or have a punt blocked or uh, break down in your secondary coverage and allow a big play where all of a sudden the team gets back in the game. And there's little things that happen during the game that you say, why did you do that? What about time management uh, You know, at the end of the game? Or uh, what, what, why wouldn't you uh, run the clock? Why would you throw two incomplete passes when they're making a run at you and you're throwing two incomplete passes rather than running Ron Jones and trying to keep the ball on the ground and stay in bounds and get a couple of first downs and the game's over with? There's times during the game I say, please, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? So I, I think it's I understand what you're saying, and I just mentioned one time that this happens, but you have, a, have, you have to have an understanding of the different situations in the game and why you do certain things, what's your short yardage philosophy. The team already knows what it is, uh, what is your third and long philosophy. They know all the different things defensively and offensively and what to expect, and you do as a coach, knowing what you're going to call, that there's all the, uh, you're all on the same page. And sometimes I get the feeling uh, that USC isn't always on the same page. i tell you, they're making great plays. They make great plays. They're great athletes making great plays. Darnold's making a great play. Ron Jones is making a big play. Cameron Smith's making a big play. Wausu's making a big play. Uh, There's a lot of big plays, and big players and big-time players make these plays. But they should be done in more of a consistent, designed way of having it happen rather than always having it pop up and not being able to control or put a team away. And that's what worries me the most.
1: Yeah, I think that that a lot of USC fans share that same sentiment. Um, Jim in Oregon, kind of along the same lines, he says, well, USC won today. I couldn't help but notice the play of Jack Jones. In the first half, when he made, uh, while he made three tackles, he missed two others, plus being called for an unsportsmanlike penalty. In the second half, he had zero tackles, two missed tackles, and two blown coverages resulting in two Colorado touchdowns. My question to re- Coach Hyde is, uh, did he ever pull a player out of a game to sit a while to reflect on a stupid unsportsmanlike conduct penalty? Uh, for the record, I think Jack Jones came out for two plays after that, by the way. Uh, He said, it seems that Coach Helton just lets these penalties go uncorrected. The Trojan roster shows 11 cornerbacks. Are there really seven quarterbacks worse than Jack Jones on the team? Maybe a recruiting issue. Ouch. Uh, That's Jim in Oregon.
0: Well, yeah, you you will pull a player out of the game, depending where you are in the game, too. It has a lot to do with are you winning the football game? Is it a tight game? Is he your best player? Are you willing at that time to uh, pull your best player off the field? And do you have a, a backup? Because you let the entire team down when you make a substitution and you don't have a replacement. So you have to be real smart at when and how you discipline players. But you don't want to uh, cause yourself to lose a football game because obviously as an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator, I look all the time and I know who's in the game and who's not in the game Or people are talking in my ear telling me, so-and-so just went out of the game. They brought this guy in, and we've broken him down, and we find out he can't run or he can't cover this or he can't do different things, and we're going to exploit him right away. Obviously, Jack Jones is, I would say, right now their best corner. Uh, he is playing better, but he's got to learn to calm down. He's got a, He's gaining confidence, but he's getting a little bit cocky, and he got himself beat a couple of times trying to play all the guys' positions rather than taking care of his own responsibility. I think Harris is getting better as a corner. I think that uh also Langley's getting better as a corner as they play more football. But they've got to be able to understand uh, uh what the role is. You've heard me talk about me and team. And when you do something stupid, uh it you're hurting the whole team because you're thinking of me rather than what you what it's all about, like spinning the ball or getting in somebody's face or what, all of this stuff what it's about. So uh it depends uh on the situation of the game. You certainly don't want to lose a game, but you decided at this time you're going to discipline somebody. And then the whole team gets disciplined or loses a football game because of some incident. So you got to be real smart exactly as a head football coach on how you handle these things.
1: Uh, let's see. Let's go to the G. Uh, I'd like to know what coach Hyde's opinion is on why this team has stretches in a game where their focus appears to vanish Seemingly allowing the other team to regroup. Uh, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. He allows the team to regroup and then make it a contest closer to reality. Why and how do you remedy this? We're 9 and 2 South Division champs with our ticket punch to Levi Stadium. Congrats to Trojan Nation. Fight on from the G.
0: It's like the team shuts down. That's what you're basically trying to say. And I think what it is is that basically you're getting away from what you do. Why do you need to throw the football when you're getting seven yards of carry off the running backs? And, and you got to be able to run them. And what's going to happen? You're going to open up the passing game more when you continue to run the game. And, you know, uh, you hear me talk about series. You hear me talk about run the quarterback. You hear me say all these different things week after week. And every time the quarterback runs on an outside type of keep, he scores a touchdown or runs for 40 yards or whatever. But they refuse to do that. And, and what that does, it makes it a lot tougher on the running back and the running game itself because everybody's playing one back. The whole defense, the front seven, is playing one back, and they're having trouble then stopping Ronald Jones. But if you had any type of, of counter or any type of quarterback keeper, and I'm not telling you to run him ten times a game. I'm saying make them worry about that you may run Sam Darnold on any type of keep or play action or something that holds the back side so that it opens up the lanes and helps you run the stretch plays and so on that are necessary for a great back like Ronnie Jones to play or whoever's in the game. And you've always heard me talk about the two-back offense. And during the game, you heard the announcers, if you weren't at the game, you weren't listening to them, talking about there's always a guy being unblocked on the defense, getting penetration because you don't have a fullback to stop that penetration guy that's coming across the line of scrimmage and smacking you. So you've got to be able to design your formations and plays so that you eliminate those type of opportunities that happen on the defensive side of the football, but you've got someone to block that guy. You can't continually hope that, oh, they're not going to fill that gap or they're not going to come to, you've got to have that covered before you even call the play by the formations and what you're doing and, the part time of the game to, to be able to handle that type of stuff. Just to say, uh, like, in, like when they get in a short yardage situation and, and, and they don't know whether they're going to go for it or they're not going to go for it or they waste the time out here or they waste the time out there, you say, hey, know where you are in the game, know what you're going to call. Don't keep your team guessing and then get it close to a delay a game penalty after a timeout and then go for it and make it, and then go for it and barely make it. I mean, no, the team's got to know that if you've got a short yardage situation, what the, your options are already. What is your short yardage offense, and you call that formation, I used to call it breaker, that team would run in the field and we wouldn't try to be fooling anybody. We were going to kick your butt. That's what it is. And you got to keep your offensive line aggressive. And I thought that the offensive line uh, did not, Fire out and play one of their better football games this week. I, I'm just telling you honestly, they had a lot of players in the box, but again, you and they started, tried, they had to stop our run or USC's run, and that's why a lot of the passes went uh, well because they play a lot of man. But again, you got to have a way to maintain your running game, and that's by holding the backside and doing different things. And you get away from what you're doing on defense. You know, you're one of the leading uh, sackers in the country, or you are the number one team far as sacking in the country and you, you've you got to be able to keep the pressure on them but you've got to be able to play tighter with your defensive backs you're giving them a cushion where any quick pass they want to throw they can complete because you're back off so far playing man you're off too far and you and you can get always the short route on you so you got to have the confidence unless the that coordinator feels that you can't have or you don't have the athlete to play man and so you've got to play off because you're afraid you're going to be beat deep. So there's a lot of different things. Uh, why, uh, you know, you get a block punt, uh, you miss a field goal, you miss an extra point, and every time they do those things, you say, "Oh." But then again, you get excited when play and and Jackson these guys block a field goal, so they can play a, make a great play, and then they come back and make a play that you say, "Oh my gosh!" About so. <laughs> You know, uh, they don't play consistently. I think that's the best way to say it. And they don't play with the same rhythm on either side of
1: the ball. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, we got a text message is from George in Oxenard. He said, long-time listener, first-time texter. Well, thanks for texting in, George. This was yet another lackluster and unsatisfying performance. I feel the team can do so much better. They seem to lack that killer instinct necessary to put teams away after getting a big lead. Is that entirely on the coaches what would you say to your team at halftime when you had a big lead do they always close did they always close out strong thanks coach love your analysis George in oxnard says fight on
0: well you know you hope you're communicating with your your, with your players all the time and you knew you would think after a period of time that the players would learn and the coaches would learn from past experience but we keep seeing the same mistakes over and over and over which which really is what bothers you football fans and people that know about football. But you see, you don't see corrections in certain things that you say, yeah, the win is great, but, and that's what we're all talking about. The win is great, but, and I, of course, text coach Elton immediately following the game and congratulated him because winning is not an easy thing to do. But then again, you say, but, and that's exactly what I'm saying. Yes, but the short yardage situation, uh, uh, finally you've been able to see a rotation of receivers that it took seven games or eight games to figure out who your receivers are, and they're now running the routes to where they're supposed to be run. They're not running next to each other. They're running good rates routes, and if you notice, they're running more deeper routes. They're taking advantage of Tyler Vaughn and his mismatch ability, which is something they should do, yet they come back and then try to do that with Stevie Mitchell, and I say, why did you throw that fade to Stevie Mitchell? When you have Mike Pittman or you have Tyler Vaughn that you can throw that fade to, which was a big play, and it didn't work. Not to Stevie Mitchell isn't a great receiver, but he has the type of routes where he can be a great receiver all the time, and you give him space inside where he can run with the football and outs and make double double moves and all the things that you can do with him in a jet series because he's like a running back. So you've got to be able to say, why did you do this or why did you do that? Why did you throw the ball? to the tight end that one time because Coach Harvey Hyde said you don't throw the ball at the tight end? Tight end was covered. Why would you throw that ball when you're down there, you just got the football, you want to just get a first down or two and the game's over with and you throw the ball, two plays, stops the clock. I don't understand. See, these are the things that sometimes I wonder is is I don't want to say is it that no, I'm not going to say it. Uh, but No, I'm not going to say it, but That's what keeps us all guessing why a lot of things continue to happen. Let's put it that way. I think now the receiver portion is now at least you know who the rotation is. But now utilize the rotation and the type of routes that is the best for your team on who and what individual is running what route and who they run that route against as far as the the defensive secondary guy that's over there trying to cover them. It's taking it to the next level. And before you do a lot of that, the season's going to be over with. And I'm talking about defense, too. Not just offense. There's a lot of things on the defensive side of the football that have the same type of things. So I don't mean to be critical, but you ask me these questions. The ninth win, tremendous. But I'm talking to you like I'm talking to my coaches on Sunday morning when I come in and I've watched a film or I watch the game and I said, Why? Why aren't we correct this? Why did it happen again? We just talked about this. And here it is happening again. That's exactly what we're talking about today.
1: We, uh, I mean, we talked about the secondary a little bit. We had some voicemail questions that had to deal with that, too. Here's the first one.
0: Yeah, this is Richard from Toluca Lake. Uh, very happy with the win today. But uh, can somebody please explain our secondary play? It seems like every game this year somebody gets burned. There's the coverages that are just horrible wide-open plays, and Jack Jones, I know he's uh, supposed to be a great player and stuff, as he said he's the best cornerback in the U.S., but he gets burned religiously, and he's got to stop the trash talking. Otherwise, it's a great win. I appreciate the coach's comments regarding the secondary, because uh, it's just not doing what it should be doing on long plays where guys are just completely lost. Thanks a lot. Fight on. Well, you know, first of all, a secondary is the toughest position to play, especially a corner, because you normally go against one of their fastest team members or whoever's got the fastest team or a great receiver. he has been all this, all that. And obviously uh, you've got to have self-confidence to cover him. But again, you have your responsibility first. You have your responsibility first on what your first responsibility is. And if you're playing man, to cover that guy. If you're playing zone, to stay in your zone or do the necessary things and reads in your zone to make sure you run your zone along with your safeties and linebackers to run it properly. Sometimes players forget, and you can't forget. Because when a secondary person forgets and blows the coverage, it costs you seven points. And you saw that happen a couple of times. Or all the time someone's forgetting that that happened. You can't have that. And you get all twisted around. When you watch him play, you say, oh, my gosh. Guy makes a single little move to one way or the other, and the defensive back is all twisted around, and you wonder, what technique are you teaching this kid? or what? What is he doing, or is he, does he just refuse to learn what it is to play a defensive back? You're not a linebacker. Now, they love to come up and hit you now. And you heard the announcers during the game talk about how physical – the USC defensive backs play. Now, I don't know if he's watched every game. Sometimes I wonder what these guys are saying, okay? (laughs) But they're just saying whatever they're saying because they're trying to get through the show and some of them, you know, prepare and some of them don't or they just listen to what people tell them and they're calling the game. But uh, you've got to be disciplined to play in the secondary. and You've got to know what your responsibilities are and you know that if you mess up, hey, it costs six points. And they were—they had a big. Uh, I heard Coach Helton mention in the post game that you know they were trying to stop Lindsey. And yeah, sure, he's a great back, and he rushed for under 100 yards. And I understand all of that. Don't get me wrong. But again, you got to also stop the big play, and you've got to keep care of though. And he says, "Well, we got beat twice." Well, yeah, you got beat twice. You shouldn't get beat at all if you can help it. You can't justify it. You got to say, "Yeah, I'm not justifying. That's a bad play and a bad move." You can't cover up all the time because people say, how can you cover up for that? How do, you, how do you cover that up? Everybody saw the replays. Everybody saw what happened. You didn't have any safety help over there at all, and I don't know what the coverage was as far as safety at all. But, you know, you've got to be able to uh, face what you're doing and know what your first original assignment is and play it. A corner cannot be when he's playing man and playing off playing so much run support unless you're playing some type of zone where you've got your somebody else covering you. You can't let your guy go. And sometimes they let him go and then they try to catch up and you don't have the speed to catch up with him and you saw the results. So I agree with you hundred percent on that. You can't have busted plays because you it changes the momentum of a football game. You drive down, and you have that long drive with Darnold and Jones and you drive down the field and everybody's fired up and all of a sudden in one play, the air's out of the balloon. It's, oh, my God, they're back in the game again. Can't have that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, we have another defensive question. I'll play this one for you. Coach?
0: Hey, this call is for Ryan, run, specifically Coach Harvey High. Two quick questions for you. Do you think um, when Iman gets healthy, do you think he'll come back into a starting position? It uh, seems like the corners we have now, Excel and what's your opinion on that? And also, um, what uh, what type of defense did uh, Coach Harvey High run? Because I have a question about USC running uh, two different alignments, and I, I don't think that specific front is going to be able to stop or shut down or stop the opponent from scoring much. I think they're going to score points in that in that
1: uh, specific uh, defense. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Who was I? Couldn't catch the player about the, the player coming back. Who was it?
1: Oh, Emon Marshall. He was talking about.
0: Yeah, Emon. Well, you know, first of all, when you come back, when Marshall comes back, he's got to be hundred percent healthy to play corner, okay? Because he's got to be able to run. And the first thing I'm going to do as an offensive coordinator, I'm going to go after him right now. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm put my fastest guy on him. Well, he says, "Oh, I've seen this guy on field film. He can fly," and I'm going to test him. I'm going to find out right now if he really does have the confidence that he can play corner. And if he's back, and, and if you when you watch, you know, he's had some problems with that. And I've always said I believe he's an inside safety type of guy or an outside linebacker. He's a tough kid. He loves to run. Put him in a position that he has fun playing. Uh, I don't know if he's having fun playing corner. And uh, I'd like to see him have fun playing football because he's too good of an athlete not to have fun. So uh, if he comes back, uh, I don't know if he'll start right away. It depends what his health is and what the secondary coach decides to do. But I do know that Harris and Langley have gotten better during this period of time by getting a lot of turns in practice and a lot of turns during the game. That Harris, uh, on his pick, uh, picked that off for a touchdown. I said, you know, I'll give him credit for jumping on that, but I'll also tell the offensive coordinator who threw that pass, what in the hell are you doing? 19 seconds left, and you're down there on your only own 25-yard line or whatever, and you're throwing a four-yard out? What are you doing? I mean, it's unbelievable. And that, you know, busted their backs, and they got went in at halftime down 20-nothing. I mean, I don't understand what you're doing. I mean, uh, so I'm not putting that on the kid, but golly. But I don't know. I, I can't answer that question because I don't see him. Uh, if he's running, I don't know how healthy he is, but I wouldn't put him in a position where he didn't feel comfortable and he didn't feel he was 100% ready to go, but he's going to get tested.
1: Yeah, certainly get tested. Um, you thought, yeah, I, I thought he might play, um, and and Clancy Pendergast says you don't lose your job uh, coming back from injury. So um, we'll see what happens there. Here's a question about running backs. Was coach. there
0: a second half of that question I didn't answer? Um. I don't want to do that if I did.
1: No, I think we're good. I think we're okay, good. good. Okay, good. Uh, okay. Here's the uh, voicemail question about uh, running backs.
0: Uh, yeah, this question's uh, for Coach Harvey. Hyde. this is John from Wisconsin. Um, I've got no problem with said where five mile they are. They're great running backs, great talent. But why is Ronald Jones not on the field on a fourth and two? I mean, Ronald Jones is he may be the best pure running back in the entire country and he's not on the field for a fourth and two. Is, is there something that I missed during that game or something I'm missing in general that would make sense to you? I mean I just I feel like this kid is about to be gone and we will have wasted it's one of the best seasons he possibly could have had. I mean, am I missing something? You guys have a great week. No, hallelujah. Uh You're not missing anything. <laughs> if if he was on if I was the head coach at USC or running back coach up, the running back coach wouldn't take him out of the game unless he had my approval. He would just stay in there, and he'd look over, and I'd tell him earlier and during the week I'd get him well, and I wouldn't have him do a lot of things. I'd make sure he was 100% healthy. You wouldn't hit him. You wouldn't do anything. And I'll tell you, I want to just mention this to you guys. Watch him pass block, would you please? steps up in there and does a great job of pass blocking, okay? He's a tough kid. He's a great player. I want my great players to touch the ball all the time, like you have Sam Darnold every play touching the ball. And then you want to get it to your great athletes that can touch the ball and make plays for you. Yeah, uh, I haven't understood that. That's happened the last two weeks or three weeks. Uh, uh, you know, he he and he's learned too on short yardage plays that I'm not going to run right up the middle without a fullback. I, I've learned that I'm not going to make it that way. So if you watch his athletic ability, he'll run and break it to the outside and get it in the end zone because he knows that they're going to have penetrations from five yards deep and he ain't going to be able to do his thing. So he does his thing on his own, like he cut back and went across field for twenty five yards for a touchdown. that wasn't any, that that isn't on any block that isn't on anybody else but a great athlete ronald jones and and he's going to be touching the football as many times as I can get him to touch it and uh And I agree with you, I don't know people have asked me on other shows uh coach, would you take this back or that back and I think there are a lot of great backs, but as far as I'm concerned. Rojo, or Ronald Jones, I I think he could be because he has great hands, too. Could be the great best back in the country, and I just hope he comes back, but I don't know if he will. But uh, he's a great player, and I agree 100%. I don't understand how you take him out of the game and you bring a guy in the game, and I love Stephen Carr, that hasn't played in three weeks, and you bring him in for a a fourth-and-one situation. What are you doing? the hell you're thinking about who would even do that or think about that if my running back coach did that i would run down to him and i'd say what are you doing are you trying to throw did you bet on the game <laughs> what the hell's the matter with you i mean you know you I, I don't understand either and i think that's what the frustration is of all of us in seeing those type of things okay i think there's a little bit too much freedom on a little bit of too much rotations and the looseness there as far as doing what they want to do.
1: Yeah. Um, and we don't, we're not sure who's making all those decisions too. So I don't
0: know. I don't know. And I love Clay Helton, as you know, but again, uh, you're the ultimate person that everybody's going to talk about right? because you're the head football coach.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, Nick and Cypress says, what do you make of this team? Is USC a team with great perseverance who can win the close ones or is USC a team who plays down to its competition and lacks killer instinct? Reason I ask, uh, the board is polarizing with their view of the team. He's talking about the peristyle. Me, I think they're 9-2 and two Pac-12 South champs and probably Pac-12 champs with the possibility of making the playoffs and, worst case, playing in the Fiesta Bowl. So Nick's a little more positive. That's Nick and Cyprus.
0: Good. Nick, you should be positive because they got great athletes. I don't know if to, if you call it playing down to your opponent, but I think they're a philosophy is just play good enough. Uh, and I don't like it. I don't like it just play good enough. Uh, I like it when you tune it up and turn it up, and every play you're trying to hurt somebody if you're on defense legally. now. I'm not talking about hurting somebody. I'm talking about hitting somebody and staying in your job and do your responsibility, not targeting somebody. Let's forget all that. part. Don't interpret me wrong when I'm saying, but love the game of football. Love the, love the pride of defending your territory. Love the pride of playing on their side of the football. Love the pride of never blowing a coverage. Love that old thing that, oh gosh, we don't want to play those guys, I'll get hurt. Find a reason for the other guys that want to go out of the game and say, hey, oh they hit me too hard, I can't play anymore. I think you better check my eyes. I think I got to concussion that's the type of philosophy that you want on your football team you want people to fear you in a way and i think that usc can do that i don't know if they're playing with that type of attitude and i hate to say that uh what they do is have great players make great plays when they need to make them but they don't play consistently they don't block consistently they don't play defense consistently you gotta play consistently And uh, I don't know if it's a lack of playing football during the week and you just play and you watch people's films. I'll be honest with you. There's times when I coach. I had a lot of great athletes, okay? And my feeling was if I had better players than you and I don't screw them up, hey, we're going to be pretty good. And we were normally pretty good. There were teams that we played that I didn't show the game film of them. What I would do is have our film guy cut it up to show all the great things they did, not the other things they did. Because I didn't want them going into the game. They would start to laugh at the other team. And that's not what you want. Look at that dude. Oh, my gosh, look at that dude. And all this stuff. That was the end of that stuff. So I think if you get that type of attitude with great athletes and you challenge them every week and you say, hey, when the coaches come through when I was in community college, they said, this is the film I'm going to show them. I'm not just going to show them when you did a good game. I'm going to show them the film when you stunk it up. I want them to know who you really are. Because that's the reputation of me when I say you can play. And the same thing at UNLV when I was a head coach or other places. I say, I'm not just giving them that game. I'm going to show them every game, okay? I want them to know just how you play and what type of team you are, or teammate, or what we are in defense or special teams. If you can kick a 50-yard field goal, I want to show them when you shank it from the one-yard line, okay? They got to know that that's what they're playing under. And I think you'll be a better football team.
1: I like it. That's a, I like that philosophy. Um, Keith in New Jersey. He said, hey, Ryan and Coach Hyde, I'm not going to let my madness about our Trojan punt returners cloud my real question about college football today. They actually tried a new punt returner, Coach. They put uh, – for the second time this year, they put a new punt returner in on the road, which kind of is weird to me. They put Tyler Vaughn's in there uh, as a punt returner. But he said, after watching uh, games all day yesterday leading up to USC Colorado, I am perplexed on the true definition of targeting. It seems to me that SEC, SEC officiating crews and Big Ten officiating crews and Pac-10 officiating crews interpretation of targeting are at odds with each other. I'm not against a targeting rule, but it seems there is no uniform interpretation of it. Care to share your view, Coach? Fight on Trojans, destroy the Bruins. Keith from New Jersey. And, Coach, while you're at it, um, maybe the unsportsmanlike conduct where you spin the ball and you get an unsport I I haven't seen that one before. Maybe get your thoughts on that, too.
0: Well, uh, I I think I mentioned this to you before, is uh, the interpretation of targeting is somewhat vague, okay? And I think the officials are scared to death that if they don't call it and it's there, that someone will criticize them on the grading, so immediately they throw it to somebody else to decide. I, I hate that, okay? But I'm just telling you, because they weren't sure, so they throw it up to the booth and let that guy decide whether it was targeted or not. Because I think, personally, the penalty for targeting is far too stiff. I mean, I can see a sportsman-like or uh, a 15-yard penalty, but to kick the guy out of the game and then kick him out for the first half of the next game, be realistic. The guy just playing football, and in some situations, the guy's dipped his head, and he has no control after he's gone after him to tackle him. So whoever made that rule is a little stupid, okay? Now, I like safety as much as anyone, but the rule is such a tough rule that it takes him five minutes to decide whether it is targeting or not, okay? I can see a 15-yard penalty, or you've got to sit out for so long, or but the next game, too? Please, these are kids playing. The Matt Lopes hit the other day. Those were great plays by Matt. Great hits. He comes down and covers a kickoff and smacks the guy. At, oh, everybody targeting. Or he makes a play. Targeting. What's, what do you mean targeting? He's playing football. The game of football. People have forgotten what the game of football is about. And, and then a lot of times you hear the announcers, oh, that was targeting. Targeting if I've ever seen it. And then how stupid they sound when the guy comes back in and uh, picks up the flag and says, non-targeting fool. And it was non-targeting. And they've been watching it back and forth. I wonder, too, if they understand what it is. Because what people say when they broadcast the game, they're convincing you that they know what they're talking about. So immediately you're going to say, oh, that's what they're looking at. They don't know what they're looking at either. So it is. First of all, the rule is far too serious from something that's not intensely done. Now, intentionally targeting, we know the difference of that, okay? Uh, but, you know, as far as some of these rules, I think they've ruined the game and slowing the game down with too many of these targeting rules and what's going on and the penalties are too stiff, and that's why it's taking so long to decide it, so... I think i I hope I answered the question,
1: yeah, today. what about the uh spitting the ball? Did you see that before spitting
0: the ball that that's something that players do and it, and it, you know ty, you know who did it and you know it's not necessary, but again that's a that's a cheap call. I mean don't get me wrong, please, guys, so they call it later on you know Colorado one of their receivers did it too he had to because he had called it on Tyler Vaughn. I mean, you 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 know you get up like to say, "Oh, okay," and you spin the ball. Okay, I agree. You shouldn't do that. It's not really tiny, I don't think. Uh, it's calling it pretty close. Let me put it that way. You're calling it pretty close when you make those type of calls, but you almost are saying you can't do anything.
1: Yeah, kind of crazy. Um, here's a uh, another voicemail question. We got a couple more, and then we'll let you go. We have one more voicemail. I'll play it.
2: Hello, Ryan, Coach Hyde. This is Ed Duncan up in the high desert. Uh, Once again, thank you so much for allowing us to call in. But uh, I wanted to address something that one of your callers called in last week. I guess he used to be an outstanding football player in the area. And um, he he described that, well, he said that, uh, yes, he needs to go out and get black cornerbacks. And I know what he's saying, but I would hope uh in this day and age that we wouldn't use ethnicity to describe athletes. I mean it doesn't matter what color uh a quarterback is, and I don't know how anyone could uh fault Donald. I think he's a great quarterback. Number two, um everyone see uh the mistakes that US is making week after week after week after week, and nothing is being done about it and I'm just wondering, when are we going to do something about this? Even when USC win, it feels like they lost. And uh, it, it, it's just amazing that we continue to go this route. So anyway, I'm interested in hearing you, your gentleman's uh, opinion. Thank you so much. Over and out.
0: Over and out and over and in. And thank you very much for calling in, uh- I agree with you hundred percent, as far as the quarterback is concerned, I am I get the best quarterback in the country. I couldn't care less what race or nationality or even if anything I don't care anything. I want a player, a player that can uh, likes to win a player that's a leader, a player I had Randall Cunningham on motea I was so fortunate, just so fortunate to have a player like that and I've had other great players too, and uh you always want the best athlete that you can find in the nation. And I'd go anywhere to find the type of quarterback that fits the type of offense you run. And I think that's what dictates who you have at a certain position because you want to have the right person that fits his athletic abilities and your needs. That's what just the way it is. And uh, when you find that combination, then you're in good shape and you're going to have a pretty good season. As far as the... Uh, Getting better portion, I think that's uh, what it is. I, I don't know if I tweeted this out or not, but uh, I call USC the USC Trojan ulcer. Uh, what I mean is, it, oh no, you know, you worry, you're not really comfortable. You don't have the confidence that they can finish and get it done. And I think this is something they need to do. I I haven't had that feeling since the Stanford game. I thought the Stanford game was a great game, and if you watch Stanford play against Washington, Stanford is Stanford again. They played their type of football game on who they are. They ran what they had to do, and they got their game together. And I think this is what people are looking for with USC. Uh, Let's put our game together, and let's have a complete football game like Stanford had against Washington. Let's be who we're supposed to be. Let's don't try to be somebody else. Let's be what we can be and perform like we should to perform. And I think that's what everyone's talking about. A great play, a great play, and then you say, what's that about? that That's the question I think we all have. And I, again, want to state, 9-2 and two is a great record. 7-1 and one in Pac-12 South champion is fine. But I think that you've done it in a style that everyone has said, as you said, after the game is over, you really don't feel that good, but they had to hang on. How many games did they not have to hang on with? Or give us that feeling of, I can't, I I just can't take it anymore. And I think that's what everyone's looking for. You want to sit back and say, we are who we are, and don't schedule us again.
1: Yeah. Uh, Dan had a neat piece about the game. Um, you know, a lot of complaints, a lot of people like, you know, saying what this is, but, that's kind of what this team is. You know, they're a team that, that wins closer games sometimes that maybe teams in the past didn't, um, but they, they, they keep winning. They're, they're frustrating at times, but I think it's, it's a good trait that they win. So, but that's kind of who this team is. Um, we'll do a couple more and let you go. Let's see. Uh, Tarek wants to know, assuming Rasheem Green leaves for the NFL, would you feel comfortable with Christian Rector taking his spot?
0: Well, I don't think Rasheem Green is ready to leave. I think he needs to get a little bit more physical. Not that he isn't quick in that, but uh, I think he needs another year. And Richter needs to grow up, too. Uh, he's a big kid that's got potential, but he's still got to get a little bit more coordinated. I'd have him do a lot of jump rope and a lot of drills and so on to be able to, he's got a big frame and so on, and he's got to get a little bit more agility with him. Not that he doesn't. Understand this, and not that he doesn't get the sacks, and not that he wasn't a preseason or half-season All-American, all all these things that go along with people don't even watch a game, okay? All they do is read the stats and give you awards. Congratulations to him, by the way, for coming in and playing like he's played. I think he's done a great job since Port Augustine's been gone. I also think number 56, Daniel, whatever his name is, I think he's really played his heart out. I think he plays hard on every down. He's not as physical, but he's playing hard. He he's plays pretty disciplined, and I think he does a good job. He takes on tackles a lot of time, which are twice his size and plays pretty good. Uh, but uh, I think Pele is going to be a great player. I just like that guy. Kind of, I've been saying all along. And I'm sort of uh, in a mystery about some of these other freshmen lyman that everybody was talking about that were going to come in and set the world on fire and maybe Ryan knows more about who they are. I know one got hurt, 51, and had surgery. I don't know really what happened with the kid out of Utah and some of these other kids. But uh, yes, if he does leave, you've got to find replacements. You've got to find people that can play there and I would probably put him in that position because he's got playing experience and I'll hope he matures more during the off season. And then you gotta have some of those young guys. I'd I'd put of course Pelé on the nose and I'm not quite sure what I'd do on the other side. I think forty four is back. I think he's just a junior, I'm not sure. But you gotta get your players on the field and Levi Jones, how many times I have to please put Levi Jones in the game? I mean I keep saying that and someday you'll say coach was right. So that's how I feel on that.
1: So you're talking about um, Jordan Isofa, probably number fifty-six. Yeah,
0: Yeah. tell me about that. Tell me about him. Is he back in practice or walking around or anything?
1: Uh, No, Isofa has been out there, so he's been playing. Um, Who are you? uh, What number is he? Fifty-six.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good player out of Hawaii. I like him. Yeah. I really no. I'm talking about the defensive lineman out of Oregon, not out of Oregon, out of Utah.
1: Utah. Okay, uh, so Jay Tefele, Um so Marlon Tui Peloto, he's out obviously. So he had the back problem, and uh, Jay Tefele, they, it would have taken another injury or two, uh, according to Clay Helton, to uh, burn his red shirt. So they really wanted to red shirt him. Um, they, you know, they wanted to red shirt Brandon Peely too, but you know, he was kind of thrown in there for necessity. So, um, yeah, that's what they're doing their best to red shirt for him. Um, we got Marcel and Diamond Bar. He said, "I watched the Miami Notre Dame game." and was truly impressed with the speed of Miami's defense. I know pressure has been on T. Martin and the offense, but I've yet to see our defense play with such tenacity and not incur any penalties. What's Coach Hyde's opinion? Marcel and Diamond Bar.
0: Well, I didn't get to see much of the Miami game as it went to the UCLA game. I was trying to watch some of it. Um, and... Uh, I didn't see it all, but I saw one freshman defensive end from Miami run by the big tackle from Notre Dame, and they said he's a freshman. I said, oh, my goodness. Freshman playing like that. I mean, those are the type of catch you got to have. I mean, guys who love the game and get fired up to play the game of football. Now, he's having fun. And whatever this chain is they put around their head for turnovers or whatever, It's, it's working, and they love it, okay? It's some type of... Uh, thing that mark rick is his is allowed and the kids love it and they're having fun with it and they want to make big plays and it's a big honor to wear it and uh they're getting great efforts out of the defense and you're right they're very quick and they're very aggressive and they get to the gaps and uh, some of the bigger linemen can't even get to them so i think that quickness is the name of the game size and physical part is great too uh i think that on defense uh, I think he asked me about the SC aggressiveness, I think, that uh, I'd like to see him get a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder. Uh, I think chips on your shoulder are for guys that play on the defensive side of the ball. I I like those guys that are right every time one half of a whistle away from getting a a late hit or a big hit. The official that takes a breath to blow the whistle, and he says, "Oh, oh, he made it. I like guys that Pursue and get all over the football field. They're everywhere. Guys that are six two play six five. Guys that are uh, run four seven, but they play at four or five. Those type of guys you got to have.
1: Yeah. Well, one last one. We got Glenn. Um, I don't think he's written in before, but uh, this was actually after the Arizona game, but it, it pertains to this game too because USC had some short yardage issues as well. He said, Ryan and coach, Hart, after watching USC struggle once again against Arizona with short yardage offense." I had a quick comment. A question and a comment. Why doesn't T. Martin try using either an extra lineman, tight end or fullback, lined up in the backfield to give some more push? I noticed during the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game Saturday that both teams use two and sometimes three backs in a diamond formation to run the ball in short yardage situations. And Stanford, of course, has done it for years. It just seems to me if somebody has a better formula for, for success, the Trojans should try it rather than living out the definition of insanity. And I'm sure Glenn was not happy at the fourth and one play for USC that failed against Colorado after writing in. But what do you think, Coach?
0: I'm in. <laughs> um, that's what I say, I'm in. Uh, I don't know how many times I have to bring this up. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, the guys substitute when they do that, so immediately uh, the other team substitutes, but you're bringing in your jumbo. Well I used to do it, I call it tackle over. So what would happen, the tackle on the left side or right side, whatever, left tackle over, whatever we call it formation, would come over and line up next to the other tackle, and the tight end would go over and play on the tackle spot. And uh, we'd just come off the line and just blow you out and, you know, put a put another, well, i put a fullback in there too or an up back and we're just going to blow you out of there. We're just going to knock the you-know-what out of you. And if you pinch down... We're going to take you down, and the and the fullback's going to hook you, and we're going to break the play to the outside and pull the guard out, and it's over with, okay? We're going to put our guard on your safety or a corner and play it, and uh, you're not going to be able to beat us. And, and you've and you got to have this in, in your philosophy. And also, we used to quick trap down there, too. And when you're in an eye, you just can, can you know, when you're close to the line of scrimmage, you just put your, your quarterback under center, you just reverse pivot, and give it to the fullback straight ahead. And he's running full speed before the defensive line can – submarine and you got some push the tailback comes and pushes him too so you got a lot of different things you can do and you got to have a certain formation for that but the being a short yardage situation with no tight end even and pinching down to the inside but you have nothing to play to the outside you just shut off everything when you're running for five yards deep so you got to be able to figure out it just uh, mathematics or whatever. If I have to run five yards and you can penetrate, I mean, I don't have a good shot at getting this play to go or fullback leading me through to pick up the guy who's blowing through the gap. Who's going to block him? Nobody. And that's who's uh, been blocking. Uh, I mean, he's been making the play. So I agree 100% with you. You've got to be able to do certain things and go unbalanced at times and do things too or substitute as you suggested. it. And let them bring in their guys too. Who cares? My I bring my biggies, you bring your biggies, and we'll see what happens. And I and I think that's a great building of what you call toughness.
1: Yeah. All right. Well that's the coach Harvey Hyde talking about toughness. Talking about this Trojan football team. Nine and two. Chance to go ten and two with a win over hated rival UCLA coming up in the Coliseum. So hopefully a lot of fans go out for that one. Whatever you think, you think the team's underperforming, you're mad, whatever it is, I think you can all get around. You want to beat your rival. You want to beat UCLA. Josh Rosen was back. Josh Rosen was back, and they look better. They got a win over ASU. Um, So this could be a really interesting one in the Coliseum. Uh, But looking forward to that, Coach, and thanks again for uh, coming on and sharing all your insights.
0: Again, guys, thank you very much. And again, we're just trying to honestly answer your questions, and it's just our opinion or my opinion, so... uh... And I know you have your opinions too and I'm glad the Trojans are 9-2 and 7-1 and seven and, one, and it's just that uh, you want it to continue to be a successful year. Yeah,
1: for sure. Alright, well that's the Coach Harvey Hyde talking to you on a Sunday. We'll, uh, we'll probably have Dan Weber coming on tomorrow and uh, we got a bunch of questions for him. We'll do a preview with UCLA. we got lots of stuff coming up so should be a lot of fun. Uh, enjoy the week. Keep uh, keep checking back. com or USCFootball.com we'll have More updates, more podcasts uh, coming all week, the last week of the regular season for USC. So hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Go to SCTickets.com. Thanks to Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow me at Inside Troy. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, publisher of USCFootball.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets.